All right, let's, let's uh, dive into our Bible study, Exodus chapter 20. Uh, these are, we're going to cover the last two commandments tonight. We've covered the first eight, so let me roll through these first eight with us real briefly. You shall have no other gods before me, the very first commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol, second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. All right, and then here's where we take our shift. Those first four commandments were all vertical, our relationship with God. These next commandments, these next six commandments have to do with uh, our relationship with other people, how we behave and conduct ourselves with other people. So number five is honor your, honor your mom and dad, honor your father and mother. Uh, number six is you shall not murder, all right? It's good not to kill people. Number seven is you shall not commit adultery. So uh, be faithful within your marriage. Uh, Number eight is you shall not steal. And those are the uh, first eight, the eight that we've looked through. And so we're coming to a close tonight. We're going to check out the last two commandments tonight. Numbers nine and numbers 10. A little bit lengthy, but I'd love for us to say these aloud together on three, one, two, three, number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Number 10, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Beautiful. So we're going to look at these last two commandments tonight, starting with number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Well, let's pause there and pray, and then we'll take a look at this ninth commandment. Lord, we just take a moment to settle our hearts before you, and we ask that you would reveal something fresh to us tonight as we look at the last two commandments, Lord. uh, What a blessing it's been to go through the first eight and see what you've had for us. Lord, you've taught us a lot, and we're just humbled to study these commandments together. And so we take a look at Numbers 9 and 10, and I pray that you would again do a new and a fresh work, Lord. Pray that you would convict us and encourage us, teach us, God. I pray that anyone who came into this room tonight, maybe feeling stressed or burdened or weighed down, I pray that you would relieve, uh, give them relief, Lord, and that you would visit them and give them your peace, Lord. For any of us who came in tonight with a joyful spirit, Lord, I pray that you would continue to cultivate that joy within us, cultivate the joy of our salvation. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, for sending him to die for us, Lord, so that we can be reconciled back to you. We are eternally grateful, Lord. And so, We just come before you tonight and we just ask that you would be with us, that you would encourage us in the teaching of your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things and everybody said, amen. So I want to take a quick crowd assessment before we dive into our Bible study, a quick crowd assessment. I want you to be honest. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be open with me. Uh, Who in here has ever told a lie? Show of hands. All right, I'm part of the club as well hands down. I just needed to assess the crowd to to make sure I'm teaching to the right crowd tonight. If you didn't raise your hand, then you just lied and welcome to the club. Um, But I just, I needed to uh, gauge the the crowd and it it appears that this message is is for us tonight. So this is the ninth commandment. Uh, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. This is how the NIV puts it. Now, I have a New King James Bible, so my New King James Version says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The New Living Translation says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. So the primary sense of this command has to do with the legal process. This command has to do with the legal process, all right? So 
Let's say that someone was accused of doing something wrong. Um, let's just say his name is Pete. Um, sorry if your name is Pete, but it's just an illustration. So Pete has been accused of doing something wrong, and Pete has been put on trial for, uh, his accusation, for this accusation made against him. Um, Pete didn't really do what he's being accused of, okay? Uh, you were a witness, and so you were put on the stand to testify. Now, you hate Pete, all right? Stinking Pete, all right? He's lazy, he's a slob, and he's a Cowboys fan. And those three things usually go hand in hand. Um, so Pete's on trial for something he didn't do, and you know Pete, and no matter how much you hate Pete and just how he's just obnoxious and how much you'd, you'd like to um, just punch him in the teeth, all right, you, you can't, if you know the truth, that he didn't do what he's being accused of doing, no matter how much you hate Pete, although you hate Pete, you can't bear false witness against Pete. You've got to tell the truth. No, Pete did not do this. Okay, this is bearing false witness against your neighbor. Now let's say you're buddies with Pete, and Pete did do something wrong. All right, just because you're buddies with Pete and you're put on the stand does not mean you can lie for Pete just to get Pete off the hook, okay? So this commandment has to do with the legal process. You cannot give false testimony about your neighbor. I mean, we've seen this in all the movies, all right? For, for all of the, the, the movies in the courtroom scene, place your hand on the Bible, and for, those of, uh, for, the, for the people in the movie that took the stand, do you, they, would, they would ask them, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Yes, 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 I do. Okay, but we, we know that that doesn't prevent people. People lie all the time when they're on the stand. All right, I didn't kill that person. I didn't steal from that person. I didn't delete uh, highly classified government emails. Okay, people lie all the time from the stand. So this, this ninth commandment has to do with that legal process. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You cannot lie against them. You cannot lie for them, no matter if you don't like Pete, no matter if, if you do like Pete, you can't bear, bear false witness against your neighbor. So this is the legal process. Now, there's several different ways that we can break this commandment. We're going to go through those Three quick ways that I believe you, we can today break this commandment because it expands just outside of the legal process. But in short, God is telling his people, listen, if I'm going to make you into a prosperous nation, if you are going to reflect me, a holy God, as a newfound people group, it needs to be built upon honesty and integrity. Okay, we cannot lie. You cannot, we cannot be a people group of liars. So he, he sets them straight here. He says, we can't bear false witness against each other. We cannot lie to each other. We can't lie to each other. We can't lie about each other. We can't lie for each other. We can't lie against each other. So God's like, we got to get this straight because I'm building you into a powerful nation. So here are a few ways we break this commandment. It's on the screen for us here on the back wall. Slander, tail-bearing, and wrongful silence. So real quickly, slander. Slander is a lie invented and spread with the intent to do harm. If you slander someone, it is something that is invented and made up that you then share with someone to do the other person harm. It is one of the, one of the most injurious things that we can do to, do to someone when we make something up and when we tell a lie about someone. 
So this is slander. Uh, There's also tailbearing, repeating a report about a person without careful investigation. And I think this is the second thing I think is something we very well can easily fall into, tailbearing, is when we hear a report about someone and because we don't like that person very much, we run with it because it sounds good. All right, so we hear a report about somebody and we run with it without carefully investigating it, without maybe going to the person and saying, listen, this has been spreading about you. Um, I don't want to be a part of the gossip. And so you know, maybe just go to the person directly and hear from them. But this is what we oftentimes do is we hear a report about someone and then we go and share it with someone because it fit our, our, our mentality about that person, our, our preconceived notions about someone that, that we liked because uh, it just it fit, it fit how we felt about them and so we go and share it with someone else but we don't do our careful research. That's tail-bearing, very wrong. And a lot of times we excuse our actions by saying, well, I didn't know that it wasn't true. Okay, I didn't know that it wasn't true, um, or potentially uh, there was no intention uh, on my end to malign that person. Okay, those aren't excuses. Those aren't excuses. And we do this. And then wrongful silence. Wrongful silence is, some, is when you're within a group, all right, and you hear within the group someone is talking about someone and saying something about a person, but you know that that's a lie. You know that that's not true but you say nothing about it to correct them. That's basically just as good as they're lying. All right, so when you're a part of a group and you hear the talk about someone, but you flat out know, now not just because you're best friends, like no, they wouldn't do that. And you, you can come to your friend's defense, but you flat out know that no, this is not true. And you, you don't speak up about it, but you just, you're silent about it and you let, you let them spread this lie. All right, that's wrongful silence. It's just as good as lying. All right, but, what about a white lie? All right, is, it, is it always wrong to lie? All right, like with white lies, because most of us in here would probably say, and I'm guilty of this myself, probably say something like, listen, the only times I lie and the only reasons I lie is to be polite and not hurt someone else's feelings. So I tell just a little white lie. And, and men, you know this challenge. You know this challenge. Does, does this dress make me look fat? Just be honest. Does it make me look a little bit big in the hips? Uh, uh, no. Why did it take you so long to answer? Because I was thinking about the many ways I loved you. Okay, guys, listen, we got we to gotta work on that. We, we've we've got to work on this, all right? So listen, guys, I'm just throwing this out to you. Give it a shot. You, you got to beat them to the punchline. You just got to beat to the... When, when, when a girl asks you, does this dress make me look... Beat them to the punchline. Does this dress make me look hot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hot? Yeah, like a, like a hot, smoking, fresh McNugget out of the oven. I just, just, just give it to them that way. I beat him to the punchline. Right, but white lies. Yes, listen, we've got to be more tactful. There's a way to be gracious and tactful, kind, without compromising on this lying thing. All right, so I'm not going to give you a solution to that question. I, you know, I gave you my best shot. Beat him to the punchline and come up with a good, good liner and, and then just leave it at that. And, and, 
and uh, let me know how it works out. Uh, but, but lying, we can't compromise on this. There's a great saying regarding this commandment. It says, neither bear it nor hear it, raise nor receive wrong reports of another. Do not make a lie nor love it when it is made. Colossians 3.9 says this perfectly. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. The old man is, a, is in reference to your salvation. When you come to relationship with Jesus Christ and you give your life to the Lord and you surrender your life, the Bible says that you are now a new creation. You are, have you heard it, born again. You are born again. You are born again. You are a new creation in Christ. The old man has gone. The new man has come. And Colossians 3.9 says, listen, lying, it's a part of the old man. It's a part of the old guy. It's part of the guy that doesn't know Jesus. That's a part of the guy that doesn't have a relationship with God. That's a part of the guy that used to do stuff before he came to know Jesus. Lying's got to go. Proverbs 11.9 says, With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge the righteous escape. I love Alan Redpath. Have any of you heard of Alan Redpath, Alan Redpath by chance? Alan Redpath, uh, is, he's passed now, but he is a, was a great British evangelist and uh, biblical commentator. And he said, and I love this quote, How very strange that we have ever come to think that Christian maturity is shown by the ability to speak our minds, whereas it is really expressed in controlling our tongues. And James 1.26 affirms this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James 1.26 Listen, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we build each other up. We encourage each other. We don't lie to each other. And this is what Ephesians 4.29 says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That it may benefit those who listen. And so we have to get our lying in check because lying is not what Christians do. Lying does not reflect our Heavenly Father properly. And this is what God tells his children at the base of Mount Sinai. Final commandment is commandment number 10. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, I'm not going to spend great detail on this 10th commandment because I want us really to notice something that happens after the 10 commandments were given here. So it's, it's, it's funny and sad and, and wonderful all, all at the same time. But this 10th commandment, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. If you're there in Exodus chapter 20, read with me in verse 17, because I basically just summarized by saying anything. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Because Exodus chapter 20 in verse 17, it it really says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the first nine commandments focus more on what we do, our actions. But this 10th commandment is the one commandment that really hits home on our hearts and on our thoughts. And we've talked about how our hearts and how how, how when we break these 10 commandments, it all starts in our thoughts and in our hearts. But the These nine first nine commandments really only address our actions first, our behavior, what we do. But this 10th commandment, 
when, when it says you shall not covet, coveting isn't something that can be done. Um, you can act upon your covetousness, but covetousness really all resides within your heart, within your mind. It all starts in the mind. The word, if you're there in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, I love to highlight and circle in my Bible and write in the margins. You can circle the word covet. It is the Hebrew word hamad, hamad. And it literally means to pant after, to pant after, to long for, to desire. Have you ever been so thirsty that you've just been panting after a glass of water, after a drink of water? This is what this Hebrew word uh, gives revelation to, that you are panting after something, that you are desiring something. Do not covet. Covetousness works like this. Your eyes see it. Your mind admires it, your will seeks it out, and then your body possesses it. Covetousness always begins within the mind and can be expressed towards all sorts of different things. It's the itch to have something from someone for yourself. It's this desire to take from, to have something that belongs to another person and to have it for yourself. And this really is why I believe that God put this, command, this commandment as the last of the ten because I think that most of, if not all, of these first nine rest upon this tenth commandment because coveting another person's stuff leads to stealing. All right, the eighth commandment. Coveting another person's spouse leads to adultery. The seventh commandment. Coveting can lead to murder. When you covet someone's stuff or possession so badly that you're willing to murder their, them, take their life so that you can take what they have. Coveting can also lead to idolatry. You are so obsessed with something that you devote all your time thinking about it, that you're obsessed with it, that you, that's all you think about. It's become an, an idol in your life. It's become a god in your life. Coveting can lead to idolatry. This is why God places it as the last commandment, almost as a bookend, saying we've got to get our thoughts in check with the Lord. Covetousness is correlated with contentment. Covetousness is correlated with contentment because when, we're, when we covet, it says that we're discontent with what we have. When we covet another person's spouse, when we covet another person's stuff, when we covet whatever, when any, what anybody, uh, what, anything that anybody else has, their, their car, their house, their money, it is correlated to our contentment because it tells us that we're discontent and dissatisfied with what we have. Coveting is correlated with our contentment. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he or she possesses. And the cure to a covetous heart is a content heart. The cure to a covetous heart is a content heart. When you are content, with your things, with you, when you are content with what you have, when you are content in your relationship with the Lord. The cure to a covetous heart, if you've just been, I don't know, maybe you've noticed a spirit within you lately that is just constantly wishing or desiring what other people have. The cure to that is being content and grateful and thankful for what the Lord has already given you. So be content with what you have and learn to be grateful. Now, in our last couple of minutes, I want you to notice with me what happens after the people receive these 10 commandments. 
It's very interesting. So these 10 commandments are given. I want you to jump with me to chapter 24. Jump with me just a page or two over to the right to chapter 24. So these 10 commandments are given to the people. And then it says in chapter 24, and read with me starting in verse 3, verses 3 through 7. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. So the Ten Commandments. Moses came, told the people all of these commandments. It says, And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. All the words which the Lord has said we will do. Verse 4, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the, front, at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basins. Half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Verse seven, then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people, which would include the 10 commandments. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So in one loud, unified shout, they say, all of these words, Moses, all of these 10 commandments, we're going to do them. We're going to obey. All of these words, we will do. All right, jump with me to chapter 32. I think you know where this is going. Chapter 32. All right, so in between chapters 24 and 32, Real quick summary. Moses then goes back up to Mount Sinai and continues to have relationship, conversation with God. And God says, listen, I want to tabernacle with you. I want to reside and and be present with you. Build for me a tabernacle. Build for me a sanctuary where I will then, my presence will come and I will tabernacle with you. I will be present with you. And so he, he gave Moses all of the instructions on how to build the sanctuary, all of the instructions on how to build the tabernacle, all of the instructions about the different elements that would go with inside of the tabernacle. So that's between chapters 24 and 32. So Moses is having these conversations with God. God's like, I want you to build the sanctuary. I want here, I want you to put the table of showbread here. I want you to put all of this bread and, and, and the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to build this Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant, put the Ten Commandments in, you know, the, the Ten Commandments that all the people said that they would obey. I want you to put that in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. And this is going to be a great relationship we have with the people, Moses. It's going to be awesome. And Moses is up having this conversation on the mountain with God for 40 days, the Bible says. So 40 days. Jump with me now. Look at uh, chapter 32. And let's just look at verse 1. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. Now, Aaron is the brother of Moses, all right? And they said to him, come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What is going on? Are you kidding me? They have this amazing revelation and visually see this mountain quake 
with thunder and lightning because they're seeing the presence of God descend on this mountain. And Moses goes up to the mountain and receives these commandments, brings them back to the people, says, listen, these are the 10 things that God wants us to follow because it's good for us. And they say twice, we read it, everything that you said, Moses, we will do, we will obey. So then Moses is like, great, I'm going to go tell God. This is great. He's going to love it. He's going to love that, that, you, that you are willing to be obedient to this. So he goes back up to God. He says, listen, the people, they're all excited about it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have this relationship. We're going to build this great nation. And then God's like, great, I would love to come and tabernacle with you. And so here's some instructions on how to build this sanctuary. And that's 40 days. So 40 days go by and the people grow impatient. The people grow impatient. They're like, we don't know this Moses. He brought us up. We, we don't know what's become of him. And so they say, they go to Aaron. They say, listen, Aaron, you're the brother of Moses. How about you build us a God? Because we're getting tired of waiting for Moses. And Aaron, you would think, being Moses' brother, would probably say something like, are, are you kidding me? We have to be patient. Patience. Patience, my people. My brother's going to return. He won't be too long. We're going to abide, obey and abide by these Ten Commandments. Wait a couple more days. Moses is going to be back. But no, Aaron doesn't do that. He says, I got an idea. Give me all your gold and let me build a golden calf. Let me build a golden calf. And he sets it up and they worship it. They begin to worship this moo god. They begin to worship this cow. Now, why a calf? Why, why just, why, like, let's build a cow. Why, why, why that? So they are resorting to their past. They are resorting to their old life. Apis was the bull god that the Egyptians worshipped in the city of Memphis. In the Egyptian city of Memphis, they had this bull god, a sacred bull. They named him Apis, and they worshipped him. And so they brought their past into their future. And they resorted to their past. Listen, when we grow impatient with life, when we grow tired of life, for whatever reason, I went through a bad breakup. I lost my job. I got fired. I was laid off. I'm going through just an identity crisis. I don't really know who I am. I don't have plans for my future. I just, I don't know what to do next. I'm trying to decide if I should switch or transition into jobs, but I just, I haven't heard from God. I'm growing impatient. What we often tend to do in those moments is we can easily resort back to our old habits and resort back to our old crowds. It's very easy for us in those moments to resort to the old man, to resort to the old person, and to go back to the old habits. All right, I'm stressed. I just need a quick hit. I'm stressed. I need a quick fix. And we look to those quick ways to gratify and satisfy the stress we're feeling because we're growing impatient because it's life. Life's gotten a little bit boring. I'm a little impatient right now. I don't know what's coming next. Don't resort back to the old ways. Don't resort back to the old crowds. Because listen, There is a hole within each of our hearts, an eternal hole. And when we attempt to fit in temporary pieces to fill those eternal holes, it will only make matters worse. It will only make matters worse. The eternal hole within our heart can only be filled by the eternal being God. And when God says, 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He means it. Though you might not be seeing the results at this moment, be patient. Don't resort back to your old habits. Trust in the Lord, and he has a promise for us. Look at chapter 34, last verse. Chapter 34, verse 10. If we continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, if we continue to be patient and focus on the Lord, this is our promise in Exodus 34, 10. And God said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvelous such as I have not done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among you, whom are all the people among whom you all the all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. I'm going to read that one more time because I got a little tongue twisted. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. This was the promise that God gave the people who were faithful to him, who didn't worship after the golden calf. The people after the golden calf, the people who worshiped after that golden calf, they were punished. The Lord killed him. The Lord destroyed him. He said, we are not going to be a people who resides to false worship. And you might think that's harsh. But the Lord had a plan to sanctify the people that he was creating into this great nation. He said, we're going to be a people who follow me. We're going to be a people who fix and keep their gaze on me. And the people that didn't resort to that false worship, the Lord gave them that promise. He said, listen, if you continue to fix your eyes on me, I will do something through you that nothing has ever been done before. And everyone around you who knows you, all your friends, all of the surrounding people, everyone who sees you will say what an awesome thing God did through you. And I guarantee and I promise you, if you be patient and fix and keep your gaze on the Lord, he will do amazing things through each and every one of you, so much so that people will see your life and say, wow, what an awesome thing that God is doing through you. So don't resort back to the old habits, to the old crowds. And let's continue to fix our eyes and keep our eyes on the Lord and his word. And when we do, the Lord's going to use us and people are going to notice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these 10 commandments that you gave to your ancient people a couple thousand years ago that are still so relevant to us today, that are still so applicable to us today. Lord, we love you and we are so amazed by you. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, Though we may grow impatient with life, though we may just be confused about life and its direction, I pray that we would not grow impatient with you, Lord, because you have perfect timing. Your timing is perfect. So I pray that we would wait on the Lord, that we would worship while we wait, that we would worship and we would wait on you. And when we do that, Lord, you promise to use us, to move through us, so much so that everyone around us would see the work that you're doing in us and they would marvel. So help us, Lord, not to resort back to old habits, to old crowds, to stuff that 
isn't good or healthy for us, Lord, but let us keep pressing on into our glorious future with you, Lord. We have an abundant future in you. And I pray that we would not allow the distractions of the world to steer our gaze off of you, but that we would keep our focus, keep our mind, keep our hearts centered on the true and living God. And we would be obedient to your word because in obedience there is life, in obedience there is love, in obedience there is abundance, Lord. There is wonderful life for each and every one of us if we just choose to follow after your word. Thank you for your promise to be with us, Lord. Go before us this week and I just give any stress about this week to you, God. I pray that you would fill it with your peace that surpasses understanding. We love you. We thank you for these 10 commandments. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.